0: learning what makes these people tick, what makes them happy, what excites them and then you're trying to deliver that and you just see their eyes light up or when they put the first spoonful of food in their mouth, like it's a beautiful thing.
1: Today on Dirty Linen we are heading up to the Sunshine Coast which I think perhaps isn't so sunshiny right at this minute, lots of the east coast is definitely rainy at the moment we are chatting to Jade tariha from humble on duke jade has been on my brother podcast deep in the weeds before and it is awesome to welcome her back to the network jade great to have you here on dirty linen
0: thank you thanks for having me
1: how are things for you at the moment
0: Yeah, pretty good. Um, It's, yeah, exactly how you said, not so sunny and pretty rainy, but nothing compared to the rain we had earlier in the year. So, but I don't know, apparently we had our coldest day yesterday. It wasn't too bad. We still have some people that want to sit outside in the cold and I secretly judge them, but (laughs) they love it. So um, not too bad. We're, I think we're in the middle of the holidays. Um, We don't have a large um, children market at our restaurant. So yeah, I mean, it's busy, um, and we're pretty consistent most weeks anyway. Um, so yeah.
1: Put us in the picture, like tell us a little bit about Humble on Duke for people who haven't been there or perhaps don't know what you do.
0: Um, very small. Um, so we have a little 14 seater restaurant, um, in Sunshine Beach, which is about four minutes from, oh. Five, six minutes from Hastings Street um, and a little bit quieter but a, a quaint little village. Um, we serve modern Australian, Middle Eastern style food. <clears throat> My partner's actually the chef and she's the only chef in the restaurant and kitchen. And then there's myself and Michaela and Ali out the front. So really tiny. We do two sittings, always a set menu and just try and make people feel good with food, wine and banter.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds beautiful. so personal and very bespoke, but I reckon, you know, I guess there'd be advantages and disadvantages or perhaps, you know, challenges with running such a small restaurant. You know, tell me about the the pros and cons. I think
0: the positives are, you know, there's obviously a huge change and a huge challenge with hospitality at the moment. And, people either being able to keep staff or just find staff initially. So we're really lucky where I only have to rely on Stacey in the kitchen. So um, you know, if she's if she's unwell or either of us are unwell, we rely on each other and we just push through for any reason or if we're tired or anything like that. Um, but we can manage it ourselves if, you know, I've got two two front of house girls, but if they're away, which the last five weeks has been a bit of a challenge because I've had my main girl go away on a four-week holiday, and then I almost didn't have anyone. Um, and I just shut, I shut a couple of tables off, and I said, "Well, okay, well, why don't we just do it how we originally planned to do the business?" And I just serve 10, ten people at a time, and yeah, you help me reset, and then we move on to the next sitting. So. We ended up getting a really, really good staff member, a young girl that's come on, so we're lucky. But it was just a matter of closing off a table. Um, We only have a total of of five tables in the restaurant, so we thought, well, we'll cut off a table that can sit four people, and then I'll just manage it myself. Um, So that's that's a positive. Like I feel like if you have a bigger venue, the stress levels are, you know, how do you? I don't know how they do it, and I just I take my hat off to them. Um, because yeah when you've got a bigger venue like that you've got you can't be everywhere um positives keeping it small um it's we're pretty consistent with the experience and the food that we can deliver to guests we have the same people that come back every week um so that's beautiful um and, yeah, like it's, it's pretty positive. You're not having to do 80-plus hours in a venue. Like we are in the open four nights a week. Um, we used to be five, uh, but that started to take a toll on like our mental and physical health. So at the start of this year we made a decision to drop it down um, and sort of have a work-life balance, which balance doesn't quite exist, but, you know, you, you like to think it does sometimes. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of positives. There's also negatives. Um, I find being so small, if you have things that impact you, like people not showing up or cancellations, that, that affects us straight away and, and us personally. That just means we don't get paid that week and, and our staff do or food is, is, is wasted. So, you know, being, being limited days, being limited number of seats, um, and how we've designed our menu. We've, we've really got to be careful with that. So,
1: yeah. Jade, yeah, there's so much in what you say and I think, you know, the things that you speak to are, are issues that I guess every hospitality business is speaking to in different ways, you know, looking for that balance, the impact of no-shows and cancellations. But, of course, in a small business such as yours, it, it, it can have an outsized impact. And it, I was really quite shocked to um, – through a Restaurant and Catering Industry Association report recently. This is from 2021, and it said that 63% of owners underpay themselves. Um, so, I mean, we know hospos, you know, notorious for sometimes underpaying staff, um, but I think that whole... Uh, that whole notion of owners underpaying themselves and really sacrificing their own income for for those of their staff or their suppliers, whatever it might be, all those those on costs, uh, isn't something that's spoken about as much. And of course, as much as, you know, I can hear how much you love what you do, it's got to be a viable business as well, doesn't it?
0: Well, that's it. Yeah. Like you, uh, you know, Stacey's been a chef for 21 years. She's worked in new zealand australia dubai and then we come back here and she is she's a superstar i studied hospitality when i was 19 um in adelaide i wanted to get in the industry i wanted to be a restaurant manager and i unfortunately couldn't get a full-time job However many years ago, I'm going to show my age when I say that, but yeah, 15 years ago. Um, So I left the industry and then I've come back to it um, and and done that, had those full-time jobs. um, And it was a time where we were like, okay, we need to do something on our own and we need to, yeah, and we're we're passionate about our industry. We're passionate about the people um, in it. And it's funny because we had a conversation the other day and I was like, God, I miss the days when you could just apply for annual leave and take a couple of days off work. Because if we do that now, we're not just losing a couple of hundred dollars. We're losing thousands and thousands of dollars. So, um, but it's, we are passionate and, you know, I heard it, I think I heard it recently on a podcast that passion will – I think it was someone you just um, did one with – but passion will only get um, restaurant owners so far and then after that you you really need to think about, you know, what you're doing. Um, uh, We've been open for a year and eight months um, and – Money is obviously a a taboo topic. Um, Our photographer was talking about this the other day and and I'm probably going to be pretty raw and honest with you and we've only really started paying ourselves something from February, March this year Um, and we've put that money that we've earned and and lack of money that we've earned for the past year and and seven months back into the business because we want it. We want to be better and we want to learn and we want to make sure that everyone's having a fantastic time. It's, it's the dream. It's the dream to own your own business and to set your own rules. But with that comes severe sacrifice. And I never want this to be about a negative thing. Like it's, it's a beautiful thing. We're literally living the dream but working super hard. But also there's that other element where you need to educate people and go, hey, these are two little people that are necessary. Not, they're not going to get paid if you don't turn up, or um, you know, everyone else is going to get paid before them, which is the reality of of owning your own business. But yeah, um, I think the data that you were just talking about, I was um, reached out to Belinda Clark from the restaurant and catering as well, and just about you know where have our staff gone and the impacts of cancellations, and I was shocked that I the numbers twenty percent. Um, the impacts of cancellations and no-shows on small restaurants is 20% of bookings. I was like, no, surely not.
1: Well, I mean, we know that if that's the case, I mean, there is no profit because... We know the margins are not 20% plus. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's devastating, isn't it? And yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the podcast that you may have been, been alluding to is Damien Brabender um, from Otis in Canberra. And I'd say to anyone who hasn't listened to that chat, please go back and have a listen. It's, um, yeah, really so constructive as well as so heartfelt. And yeah, we also had a good chat with Belinda Clark, the incoming CEO at Restaurant and Catering. So, that's another good one to have a listen to if you haven't caught up on that. Um, Um, But, I mean, what do you do about this, Jade? Like what kinds of conversations are you able to have with your customers and, yeah, do you feel like you're sort of getting the message through?
0: Um, Some people you get the message through. Like it is super clear when you make a booking with us online or if you're lucky enough to have a chat with me because I love having a chat, if you book via phone, I'll always tell you, I'll always say, our cancellation policy is 48 hours because you get people that book a table and the largest table we, we do is a six. But if you book a table of six, that's almost half my restaurant. So if you cancel two days out of that booking or even the week before, I then have to fill that um, and I've got to find six seats, six bums to put on seats. So um, our cancellation policy is clear. It's 48 hours. If you cancel within that time frame, and we fill the spot, no problem like the data on you know we've had oh if I could tell you it's 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 pretty bad when I look at um I had a chat with Open Table who's our online booking system and from I don't want to go from January because January and February was were really weird months where most of the restaurant industry was getting COVID or their guests were in sort of November December so I've just sort of taken it from May June July but in May this year, I had 25 bookings cancel, a total of 80 people. In June, it was 14, a total of 42 people. And we're only a few days into July and I've had seven cancellations already with a total of 16 people. But from, you know, from the cancellations in the last six months, 57 of them have cancelled within the 48 hours. You know, um, the amount of people we've charged out of all of those bookings is Six. And three of those have got vouchers for the full amount. Like we're pretty fair but we're having to have this conversation with people um, earlier this year and this is this was a real sort of stressful time for us. We had a guest who had been and dined for this last year and out of the four bookings that he'd had, he'd only ever turned up to one. So they were cancelled and they were large tables, tables of five or tables of sixes. Anyway, the last time he he book, he cancelled on the day before or the day of for a table of six and I just said to Stacey, I had a conversation, I said, we can't wear this anymore. Like this guy's booked four times. He's only ever turned up once. I don't know what to do. So we had a conversation and she's like, let's just try and fill the spots. Let's try and fill them. And he had that booking for three months. That was when you were able to book three months in advance, which we quickly changed to two months. Anyway, we, we ended up charging him and it's, it's a hefty cost but it's, it's probably a third of what our um, average, like, spend per head is. So it's less. So we're actually losing money. Um, I've already said no to people to come for dinner. They've emailed or, or rang me and I'm like, sorry, we're fully booked. Um, and this particular person was unhappy with that and took us to fair trading. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, In the end, Fair Trading contacted us and they're like, well, that's your booking policy, isn't it? And I said, yes, it is. Like I don't know what to do. Like this is a lady that sits in an office and like on the other side of the country because she's obviously working for the government from home and she's like, you've only got 14 seats. That's very small. And I said, yes, (laughs) it's really small. I was like, look, I don't know what to do. I haven't been in this situation before. What do you suggest? She's like, look, I'm completely Switzerland. I'm just fair trading. I take the complaint from the customer. We can remedy it. And then if that doesn't work out, he, the customer can just choose what he wants to do. I was like, okay, well, why don't we meet halfway? And then prior to all of this, there was, there was an exchange in emails where he had sent us emails saying, I'm going to bring your business down any way I can. Um, I'm well linked up here on the Sunshine Coast and I'll make it known. And I just thought to myself and I sat there, I sat in a restaurant and and I said to Stacey, I was like, why would this person or why why do people think that it's within their right to to threaten someone? Like I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to be threatened and I didn't want to, but I always try and respond with kindness. Like everything we do at Humble is responding with kindness. Everything... We emulate, like we want people to feel good as soon as they walk in the door. We want people to feel good if they have to cancel um, for some reason and we go, that's fine, let's try and fill the spot. I never want to charge people and have them not come to the restaurant. It's just not what what we base ourselves on. We would rather you come and spend money. So like nine times out of ten, if we have to charge anyone, I'll say, hey, do you think I can give you a voucher for that full amount? We have the money now and you can come and spend it another time um anyway he ended up going further and he got a friend lawyer onto us and we said look we're happy to take it further our solicitor was like this doesn't sound very nice but you're well within your right to do what you know you're following your policy this is your policy follow it um and then yeah don't be afraid of of what's going to happen we ended up saying look we'll meet halfway and, and refund you but that was after we would spoke with our solicitor, and she's like, "You, you haven't done anything wrong. Like this person's booked a table at your restaurant, has a bad track record. You've decided to charge because they, they were late cancelling. So that was pretty. That was at the start of the year, and that was for us. We, we looked at what we were doing, and I, I feel like we're pretty fair. You know, you always second guess yourself when stuff like this happens, but at the end of the day how much longer can we go on not paying ourselves from the amount, from the number of cancellations or, or no-shows or, or late cancellations?
1: But, I mean, Jay, that guy is so unreasonable. <laughs> like you must, you, we're like we all know that. Like that is just, you just, it's just absolutely gobsmacking. My mouth has just been agog. Like what goes through someone's mind that they think any of that is okay. I I mean, it's just absolutely gobsmacking. And the fact that you're still meeting with kindness is an absolute credit to you and the spirit of hospitality. But uh, I mean, they, that is not a guy that you want in your restaurant. I mean, what else is going to happen once they sit down? I mean, it's just, yeah, not going to be fun. I mean, one thing I wonder is, you know, when you go through those experiences, you know, you, you're faced at, you know, four o'clock with a half full restaurant. And you're trying to fill tables. What is the extra drain on you in terms of delivering the experience that you want to deliver to the people who do show up?
0: It's you have this. There's like this level of anxiety, and it's like, okay, I'm not going to have a full restaurant. I've got my two my two girls on with me tonight. Um, you know what am I going to do? Um, but you're, you know, it's physically. A, and a friend of mine who owns, when this happened, I messaged him. Um, he owns probably one of the most progressive restaurants in Toowoomba, um, and he's just really intelligent. He is the only chef in his restaurant, and he has like I think he hires an apprentice. And I said, what are you reckon? Because he's really reasonable. And he just said, he's like, it's just so physically exhausting when you're busy, mentally exhausting when it's quiet and emotionally exhausting when you make everything so personal. Um, You know, we compare ourselves to other places. You're either better than a lot of those places or don't feel as good as 1% of the places that have endless talented staff and a fat checkbook. Um, but, and these places are also having article after article or hype stories written about the same venues or chefs, you know, and you're there and you're like, what am I doing wrong? How can I fill my restaurant? How can I stop these cancellations happening? Um, for me, I just try most of the time I'll just try and get on section um, I mean, we've only got five tables, but generally we have um, two to three tables each. And if it's just way too much for me, I'll say to the girls, right, any, if you, you can fill those tables, try and fill them. Um, but it's sort of, you, you look a little bit silly because people have rung up for a table and I'm gone, I'm so sorry, I'm so booked out. Or I can only do like an eight o'clock table and then they might rock up or Generally, I've found out that my social media is pretty powerful. So I will, we've got a very good local following. I'll post something and say, hey, this is what's happened. If you guys want to come out for dinner and I've got a lady that comes to us every week and she will send us a message straight away and be like, right, I need a table for four. You obviously need bums on seats. Let's do it. You know, like it's, that is, you know, that I think makes it worth it. Um, and if we are having a shitty day, that's usually Rachel is who we call <laughs> um, because she'll be like, okay, cool, well, I'll bring the kids down or, you know, they're adult children, but, oh, I'll go get a couple of my friends and we'll come for dinner and they just make you feel so good. Like, But it's hard. It's hard to snap out of it because you go like halfway through service and then you'll pick up and then you go, oh, what What, what am I stressing about? Why am I feeling so shit? Um, it's interesting though. It's interesting how our brain is wired to think Um yeah, it's. Um,
1: yeah, it's really tough. And you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of a couple of restaurants in in Victoria that are you know similar in in their size. So there's Enter Via Laundry, which has just opened at a permanent premises in North Carlton, which is also. Yeah, very very small, and every seat counts. And then Greasy Zoe's out in, in Hurstbridge, which you know has got a dozen seats. And both of those restaurants, you know, see too often. You know, these, um, uh, you know, sudden, sudden, suddenly available tables. You know, tables available at the last minute. And you just think, oh, there is just a story behind every one of those posts, and you just hope that the 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 personal, the personal and financial drain isn't so awful that it makes those businesses unsustainable in in any way it's um i just it's i don't i don't understand the 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 problem with communicating this to the public because to me it just seems so obvious that you know people need your money to run their business i just don't know where the disconnect is and that sense of entitlement where someone would think that like where why are they putting the energy into ringing fair trade like and calling a lawyer it's just this it's just such a mis, misuse of um a misuse of it's just a misunderstanding of the human project, you know, that we we need one another to um, for our lives and our businesses to to hum along, um, and I just don't know why you'd be that that drainer ugh, just makes me feel, feel. just makes me, me my heart feel sad. It's interesting. Like when this was all going on,
0: it was when Liz Moore went underwater and Pippet Restaurant was doing like just cooking food and um, Pip Sumbach was cooking all this food for displaced people. And I said to Stacey, we had a connection down there, I said, let's just get in the car. We have Tuesday, Wednesday. There are two days off together um, in a row and um, usually Wednesday we cook. But I said, let's just forget about that. Let's drive. It's three hours, three and a half hours, and let's just start cooking for these people. And the day that we were going to get in the car, the letter arrived from the solicitor. Now, not an excuse, like probably could have put my big girl pants on and, and jumped in the car, but the level of stress and the level of anxiety that someone like that gives you, it just makes you feel shitty. And I just said, okay, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I'm. And then we ended up, getting the restaurant organised and then spending a day together just trying to make ourselves feel good. And I just, like, what what is going on in the world? A, look what's going on around you and B, um, can we just treat people a little bit nicely? Like, yeah, kind? (laughs)
1: Like, I don't know. (laughs) I want to let's change tack slightly, Jade, and just pick up up on something you said a while back, which was that when you (laughs) were... Uh, it just, it's just an unthinkable thing for anyone to say now is that you couldn't find a full-time job as a restaurant manager. Um, I mean, where do you, just in a macro sense, like where do you think staffing is at? Why, what, are, what do you see about, you know, we know about internationals. We know, we know that we've lost a lot of, you know, talent in that way and that, and that people aren't flooding back. But what else do you see, like in terms of perhaps people leaving the industry or not getting into the industry in the first place?
0: Yeah, I've got some stats from Belinda, like I wanted to just get her insight, and then another chef, Neil, who you might know, he did some stuff when you did your thermo stuff, I think was it at Huxtable down in Melbourne? Yep. Yeah, um, so I got some, he's a very um, seasoned chef. You know, um, we've been around for a while. So I sort of asked him some questions and just got some insight for him. He's actually about to o- um, open his own wine bar slash restaurant in Harvey Bay with his business partner. Now, this is a chef who's 43. He's worked in some of Melbourne or Australia's best restaurants, and he's like, i just got to do something for myself. So people, I think there's a there's a number of people that are going, okay, how do I do something that's I'm going to enjoy, that's going to be rewarding for me and I'm at that age now where I probably need to do something. And then you've got these other people. We were standing in our restaurant the other day and our delivery, new delivery driver from one of our suppliers, which is probably – Um, like dry goods supplier, he walked in and he's got this high energy and he's like, oh, hey, Stacey, I listened to your podcast that you did with Huck the other day. That was so cool. And we were like, oh, what's your name? Or like are you a chef? And he's like, yeah, I've been a chef for 20-plus years. Um, He was a chef up here at a really good restaurant um, for five, six years, like a chef to cuisine, and he's travelled and worked professionally in seven countries. But I stood there and like my heart broke a little bit because – it's another great chef that our industry has lost, and not saying that the job he does now is is not adequate, but he's he's still kept his foot in the door somehow to to hospitality because you can never leave. Like it's, I mean, some people can, and the smart ones maybe I don't know, <laughs> but um, yeah, like he's kept his foot in the door, but. I just, I looked at him and I had, you know, I was, and I messaged him later and I said, Hey, do you mind if I share your story? Because for me, you know, and I've watched it happen in the last six months, I'm watching people leave the industry. Now it's, you know, at the start of COVID, it was considered an unstable, an unstable industry. People left they went to other industries, they liked the conditions, and then they've gone, oh, well, I can do this. Hopefully those people come back because there's something slightly abnormal about us beautiful hospitality people that goes, you know what, I need that adrenaline rush again or I need to do this. or um, And hopefully they come back. But then, yeah, there's other people. Um, We were hanging out with another chef. Actually, I don't know if you follow him, Andy Cooks. Um, He's got some fantastic um, cooking videos on on Instagram and TikTok. I don't know how to use TikTok. I'm too old. But um, we caught up with him and he, like he said to us, he now works. He's like an executive chef for um, a huge, one of Australia's biggest abattoirs. And he does, I'm not sure what his job is exactly, but we tried lots of great cuts of meat. But he said to me in there when we were doing like a little test kitchen, he goes, I won't step foot inside a service kitchen again because he's done some serious work on himself, um, you know, mentally and physically and he's got a beautiful job now and and he's got a, a social platform where he can do what he wants to do and carry out his dream. But, again, another chef who has worked across the world, mostly in UK kitchens and with some of Australia's best chefs and, you just, there's that, you know, there's that element of mental health um, or, you know, physical health as well that, and I think that's something we probably need to talk about as well and, and have that as an open topic in, um, in hospitality. Um, one of my girls said to me recently, she's like, oh, I think I'm going to go get a mental health appointment. And I was like, that sounds fantastic. I feel like everyone needs therapy and that there's this stigma around it, especially in our industry. So, you know, you've got these, you've got these people that have left and go, I'm not, I'm not going to step foot in there. And then you've got these other people that have left and said, this is all right. This, you know, hospitality is fun, but I'm, I'm in this industry now and it's, this is good. This will do for now or, or I'm having a great time. So I think, yeah, I don't want to talk about the C word, but I think, yeah, at the start of that, that's changed a few things and. Um, I think it's going to be a bit more of a challenge now, more so because yeah, there's what's happening in the world and
1: yeah, there's so there's so much in in what you say and I I didn't know about Andy Cooks but i just found him and it's so his name's Andy Herndon and yeah he's got like half a million followers and uh, I, I I guess there's like. You know, there's, there's, there's different ways of looking at it, I reckon, because on, on the one hand, you could say, isn't this a great industry? There are so many different pathways. You never know where it's going to lead. You know, I was a chef then and now I'm a TikTok star, whatever it is, you know, like that's not necessarily negative. And perhaps, you know, if it's about, you know, getting food to the people in all kinds of different mediums, then perhaps that's that's a good thing and, um you know, maybe have spending time as a chef in kitchens and restaurants, uh, can be part of somebody's rich and varied career and and that, and that's a positive. But on the other, on the other hand, of course you want the industry to be nurturing and sustainable and workable for anybody who feels like that's their place long-term. And yeah, people shouldn't be sort of spat out of kitchens and restaurants. They should, you know, be leaving of their own accord, you know, to a positive next step, whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I can see different ways of looking at it. But the mental health thing is so interesting. You know, I was listening, watching the footy the other day and there was a player that was interviewed and they were just really matter-of-factly talking about their mindset and how it wasn't serving them and then they went and spoke to the club psychologist and she was amazing and now it really turned them around. And you just think, well, I mean, perhaps you wouldn't have heard a professional sportsman saying that a decade ago, but it's certainly, you know, refreshing to hear them say it now. And I I agree with you that I think um, that openness and willingness to see mental health is just another another part of, you know, making – making life good um, is yeah is, is where things should be at those conversations should and that, and that support network should definitely be available and open and destigmatized definitely yeah like I think it's just
0: another self-care regime that we can all follow and and try and um, you know try and get a hold of that and and just take control and try and talk things through like I think that's that's pretty important
1: yeah. Absolutely, Um, yeah. And I wonder also, you know, you said you dropped down from from five nights to four nights just to get a bit more balance. Like, how how has that been a blow financially, or has it sort of evened out in terms of you know outgoings and, and incomings? Uh, yes, so I mean, essentially, the Sunday night
0: was you know quite sporadic. So, we do Thursday, we do a bit of a weird day Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Um, Monday is most of the time, um, our biggest night, um, right up there was Saturday, so um, Sunday was like too sporadic, so we got rid of that, I think. In the initial first month, but we were coming out of like, you know, towards the end of summer, we were taking the same amount of money because we're only a new business. We've only been open for a year and eight months. Um, Now, as, you know, we start to slow down, but then we're starting to pick up, you're pushing and you're grinding for, for more and get people in the door, bums on seats. But it was just it was more important. I would get in there on a Thursday and be in tears most Thursdays because I hadn't ordered this or I hadn't done that or I've got too much to do and I usually would help Stacey in the kitchen for a short amount of time and it Why? Is it worth it? Why am I in tears every Thursday? (laughs) So, you know, we've just changed it a little bit where we drop the Sunday. That's our only day off. Um, We do a little bit of work. And then Wednesday, we spend all day Wednesday in the restaurant. We get there at 8.30 in the morning. I do a kitchen shift with Stacey and then we – you know we do our all ordering or things anything that needs to be done um and then tuesday's spent just doing um creative things like menu or stuff like I'm doing with you now or marketing or so we're probably working more um not having like a whole lot of time off like sunday's a good day a nice day um, we're just having to prioritise and strategize and go, okay, what do we need to put energy in and things into at the moment? So, yeah. But financially, yeah, definitely.
1: Okay. So, Jade, just let's get a bit golden. Like, tell me about a beautiful moment, something that really charges you up and keeps you going. Like, what is it that you love about what you do at Humble on Oh, it's the people
0: its the people hands down like you you serving the same people I well I'm I get the same people that come back I've had a chef that's come in and you know halfway through his main meal he was in tears because he's a bit of a creative himself and he's like I can taste the love in Stacy's food I like I'm watching you run around the restaurant with, you know, with your girls and everything you do. And it's those things, it's, it's the words that are said to you like that that, that mean more. It's, um, yeah, it's the relationships that we're building with people. Um, and, you know, there's that fine line between, you know, you're the person that owns the restaurant that they come and dine at and then there's this beautiful other relationship that you're building with them. And you never want to overstep. So you never, we're not that place where we go, yeah, cool, let's go out for dinner or let's hang out and have a few drinks because we want to keep it professional. But you've also, yeah, you're you're learning what makes these people tick, what makes them happy, what excites them, and then you're trying to deliver that and you just see their eyes light up or when they put the first spoonful of food in their mouth. Like it's a beautiful thing, like watching the human interaction and just yeah it's it's pretty pretty electric
1: oh i love that scott yeah shivers and tingles but i think i also can see that to allow yourself to be so open to those positive feelings and that that sort of yeah glowing feedback that it is going to open you up to the harsher Words and feelings and actions of people that come into your orbit, but Jade, I really, I really wish you and Stacey all the good things, all the beautiful people coming in and reinforcing, uh, and I suppose yeah powering the the energy that you put into what you do um it just sounds like a really beautiful business that you're building and um yeah I hope the the world can reflect that back to you and help it help it power on but yeah so beautiful to hear from you today
0: thank you it's weird isn't it that we exactly what you said we always focus on the, the negative more so than the positive. and sometimes there's always more positive and we're weird as a human race I think we but it's a beautiful thing and yeah I feel really it is lovely to speak to you
1: yeah well really really a privilege to speak to you um, can't wait to get up to the Sunshine Coast and enjoy um, your hospitality I know you love to serve your regulars but perhaps you'll allow a drop-in to come in as well <laughs> um, definitely yeah definitely thanks so much for your time today Jade it was so good to speak to you thank you you. Thanks so much. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Dani Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at linen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. Peace.